Welcome to the Launch University Podcast, turning good intentions into reality in your career, business, and life. Here's your host, Kevin Jennings. Hey, everybody, this is Kevin Jennings, and I'm grateful to be joining you this week for episode 145 of the Launch University Podcast. Um, So right now, I am assuming you have a lot on your plate. I am assuming that your organization has big goals for the end of the year. You have big goals for yourself, and you might be solving really unique challenges right now in your work, and you're asking yourself, how am I going to get all of it done? And you might be saying, How am I going to solve this problem? And that requires two things, capacity and creativity. And in today's episode, we're going to talk about how you can create more capacity and foster your creativity. And as I thought about how we could solve this for you and kind of tackle this challenge as a community, I went back in the archive and I located two incredible episodes featuring both Jeff Henderson and David Farmer. And they had two different conversations, uh, one about how to take on more responsibility at work from episode 111, and then from episode 123 about where good ideas come from. And I think in both of those, there's pieces in there where that really just gave us some transferable principles that we could apply when we need more capacity and when we need to access creativity. And so we're going to start by hearing from uh, David and Jeff discuss how you can create more capacity. They shared, David shared three principles that I think are really incredible and um, I think very transferable. And so we're going to tackle that and then I'll be back so uh, we can kind of process some of that together and then we'll jump into that second uh, piece of information there, a second clip. And so here are David and Jeff discussing how you can create more capacity. And one of the reasons I wanted to talk to David about this, he works at Chick-fil-A, has a massive job, but recently the organization asked him to take on some more responsibilities, and we won't get into the details of all of that, but I do want to unpack principles, David. So you already got a you know very important, thorough, very busy job. Now they've said, hey, we actually want you to do, and what they've asked you to do is gigantic. How do you not get overwhelmed? How do you even say yes to that? How do you create capacity? So as an entrepreneur at Chick-fil-A, you're able to figure it out and say yes. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll tell you when um, I work, uh, the guy that I work with is John Bridges. He is my boss. And when we sat down and talked about this, I was so excited, honestly, mm. um, just because I knew, oh, this is going to be so much fun to lean into this new stuff and figure it out. And I don't have to give up the stuff I already love doing. So I, I was really jacked up about it. But here's what I know. Principle number one, boundaries still exist. They're mm-hmm. still real. And what I mean by that is, hey, we're all mortal. Hey, we only have 24 hours in a day. Um, hey, we all still require sleep and all these other things to stay healthy. So real limits still apply for everybody. Uh, and so if you're trying to balance work and your family and your health and your other outside interests, you got to take that into account. Mm-hmm. So there are seasons where you can cheat a little bit and heavy up on one if you have to. You know, sometimes you do that when you got to get out of a ditch. You just can't do that forever. It's not sustainable. So you do have to begin by recognizing you have boundaries. I will say I'm I'm so fortunate that my wife, Mallory, she's just super supportive. And, 
she'll work with me to kind of figure out where those boundary lines need mm-hmm. to be. But I got to give her a shout out for help. Mallory's great. Yes. So, um, and and the other thing about that though is you knew you had a supportive supported wife but i would say when john asked you to do this you know some people could go what are you talking about i'm already swamped and i'm i've already got all this other stuff to do you said no i was excited yeah part of the reason you were excited is that you knew there was a way that you could figure this out yeah and uh, this would go to the second concept um do you have a team one of the reasons why i was so excited is i knew that i had an incredible leadership team already in place Mm -hmm. And I'll give, uh, I want to acknowledge them. So I've worked for a long time with Amanda Norris and then Kalila Cooper is on my team and Keith Lyons. And these are folks that they're superstar leaders. They're really, really good at what they do. And so one of the the couple things that come out of that, that freed me up to be able to pull away a little bit from what I have been doing because they got it. There's, they don't need me to hold their hand. They're extremely capable in and of their own right. It also forces them to, to kind of step up and grow a little bit. And so I had some responsibilities that I was able to hand off to each of them to free up some of the capacity that I was going to need to do something else. Mm-hmm. So what I loved about it, when essentially John asked me to take on a new responsibility, it's, it's going to stretch me. There's some trickle down to that. Uh, and it could feel like, oh, you know, you're you're dumping something on me. I don't think that's the way they interpret it. I think it felt like here's some more opportunity for you. Right. And um, that was huge. What I'd say, though, is if you don't have if you're not surrounded by that kind of team, you may not be able to take on more. You'll have to just trade off. So um, I didn't know I was going to ask to do something else. It, it, often we're not. But building that kind of uh, team around you and, and just being ready for the moment when it appears is huge. Mm-hmm. And not only that, the fact that you are able to say, I'm gonna, I can take on more, means that they're also having the opportunity to say that we can take on more. That's right. And, and they're doing it. And I'm, I'm, very, I'm not just excited for me. I'm excited for them. But I guess you know, the dismount on this would be your ability to expand your influence, your impact. Um, it's it's definitely governed by the strength of your team. Mm-hmm. I'm just blessed I got a good one. So you have boundaries. You got a great team. What's next? I would say as I'm moving into this work, um, I'm just going to use the word clarity. Have to get super clear. Um, we're doing some things that are new. What does success look like? So clarity can be let's get super clear on the outcomes. And we got a pretty good feel for that. I would tell you we're still trying to zero in on exactly what those are. But the idea that the, the more clarity you have on the, on the front end, it definitely makes everything else that follows easy. Mm-hmm. So what does success look like? That's part of it. The other thing I would say is, all right, so what is my unique contribution to this work mm-hmm. or the role? Because I'm not doing it by myself. i got a lot of other people coming alongside to help. Right. Uh, what am I going to add? How do I help them be successful in it? Mm-hmm. So that's a, that, that's a big piece of it. All right, guys, Kevin, back here with you. Just to process a bit of what we just learned from David and Jeff's uh, conversation there. One of the things that really stood to me was the first thing he said. 
And that was the idea of still owning your limitations. You're still a human who requires sleep and can only work so many hours in a day. And so you have to go into it recognizing that you can't hold on to everything you had before. So if you're, if you're a new role, if you're a new project or whatever you have, you have to own that something's going to get handed off or put down. You just make that decision strategically. Uh, and to me, that was a, a big one because um, I, I have not always done a very good job of that. But it's really a, a fantastic reminder and really to use the constraints to push you to say what matters most. The other thing that I think uh, really stood to me as far as capacity was your capacity is governed by your team. The last thing you said, right? This idea that when we think about increasing capacity, we typically think about it in what more can we do as individuals or what more can I do? And I think with the change that from what can I do to what can we do? And to me, that's the opportunity that sits behind us. We have to, as leaders, as executives, um, as entrepreneurs, we have to broaden our concept of capacity to include the individuals that work with us. And to to David's point, to broaden our perspective to not about, about what new challenges just await us, but what new challenges await our team that will allow them to grow as well. All right, so um, with that being said, we now want to talk about how we can foster creativity, right? What are we going to do with this capacity? What, what problems are we going to solve? How are we going to tackle this new project? Well, uh, they had a great, we had a great conversation, uh, Jeff, David, and I, uh, about that, about where good ideas come from. And there we unpack three principles that I believe will also help us foster our creativity. And so here is... David, Jeff, and myself talking about how we foster creativity in our own lives. I hope it will help. So, uh, Jeff, I'm going to let you kick us off. What's the first idea uh, or the first input that may help us come up with good ideas? Well, for me, David, I, I don't know if we're going to go the, in, in order here, but for me, margin is the, the, the thing that really stands out to me. And margin in your calendar so that you can allow your, your, the, the ideas to, to, to just be able to, to, to grow and flourish. Uh, ideas for that could be, you know, our mutual friend Tim Tosopoulos talks about library days or library time. But I feel like you've got to have margin in your schedule. If not, if you're going from meeting to meeting to meeting or pace to pace to pace, um, you're just not going to be able to, to allow the, your, your, your mind to think. And I think sleep, I think meditation, devotion, prayer, I think exercise is really important. Um, I never will forget one time I was trying to, I was doing a talk, I was trying to illustrate heaven. I'm like, how in the world do you illustrate heaven? So I went and uh, I just couldn't figure it out. So I went on a run. And then right when I got through that run, so there's margin to go for a run, right? Got through with the run, and immediately I thought, oh, I know what I could do. I could illustrate it with, with dead flowers, that this is, this is death, but then heaven, um, you would have these new flowers that magically appear. What came to me in that moment right after the workout, I can't tell you how many ideas I've had right after a workout. So you've got to have that margin in your schedule because that's where the good ideas, they're hiding. You have to go out there and get them. Okay, so you referenced library time as well, library days. Mm -hmm. i got to be honest, sometimes I'm thinking, what role do libraries have now in this digital age, you know? 
but uh, you've got a good application for it, so unpack that just a little bit more. Well, you know, and again, Tim Tim tells us uh, this. He, he says libraries are great because they're quiet and you can't they don't let you use your cell phone. And I'm also reading reading a book right now called Digital Minimalism, and a fantastic book. And Kevin's it, nodding. He's giving him a fist pump. Because I, I, I just I just bought it. Oh, you did? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And. It basically what Cal Newport is is asking you to do is to take the volume out of your life. He doesn't necessarily say it that way. Um, actually, that's probably a pretty good statement that mm-hmm. I may try to quote myself. You Kev. should. You should. You should. <laughs> so, so I think David, library days and library time helps take the volume of noise out of our lives, and so they can can be filled with um, higher opportunities for better ideas. That's awesome. All right, there you go. So margin. Um, you got to have margin if you're going to come up with a lot of good ideas and having some library time or going on a great run. It, those are just a couple of ways you can sort of program in that margin. Kevin, yeah. we'll go to you. Well, for me, um, I'm going to say what I've been working on recently. So I started journaling in the last year, um, in, by, in the 2018, and mainly because I kept hearing about it. And I, and I knew that um, the times I've journaled consistently in my life is because I had a prompt. Like I needed a question to just to just dissect and um but also my my counselor was like hey kevin you do a pretty bad job of just knowing your own emotional state you're so preoccupied with the challenges around you the things you need to solve the team you're trying to lead you don't know much about you and that's the issue he said i just need to ask yourself every day how am i feeling right now like just that simple question of how am i feeling answer the question and then move on it's not to solve the problem just to gain awareness and i recognize that doing that with other questions repetitively has been paying off for me. So I answer the same six or seven questions every single day, but now I'm able to start, it's almost, okay, now this is where the nerd comes in. I start to almost track progress or track what's happening. Like, hey, I've been I've been feeling anxiety three days in a row. What is happening? Like, is there something I need to be looking for? And it's actually made me ask myself questions. And the other question I've asked myself every day has been, what did I learn yesterday? And, uh, and that's really been driving a lot of my insights. I'm like, oh man, I didn't even, and it's not, and it's been scattered, just been random things, but, but now I'm, I'm able to capture what I'm learning through life as opposed to trying to keep it, but then making the same poor decisions. I think it's makes it more concrete through a journaling process to pro, just for me to process what's going on around me. And I've gotten a lot of new ideas because of it. That's great. All right. Can I build on your journaling Please. idea? And I'll, I'll confess, I'm not a a journaler in the sense that so many people do journaling, which where they, they, you know, got their little, uh, moleskin kind of book or they, they're doing it digitally. Um, but here's a variant of that. And I do this. I feel like we all need some place. We're going to, we're going to capture the ideas. We're not going to be, especially for generating a lot of good ones. We're not going to be able to keep them straight or organized in our mind. So I at least have what I call an idea repository. Hmm. And I do that in OneNote cause I use OneNote. For a lot of stuff, um, people might use Evernote or some other digital tool, but I would ask listeners, where's the spot that when the idea hits you, which we know can happen at some random time and place, where are you going to capture it uh, so you don't lose it? So That's, that's great. My, that's my contribution. I love it. And once you get past 30 years old, if you don't capture it, it will you will forget it. Yes. All right, so Jeff, let's come back to you. Let's uh, let's throw another one out there on the board. Uh, let's talk about the twenty-four hour waiting period. I, I feel like every 
good idea or new idea actually needs a 24 hour waiting period. What do I mean by that? Well, if you have an idea and then you start telling somebody about it within 30 minutes to an hour, that may work. But what I've discovered is once there's a 24 hour waiting period, you sleep on it, you wake up. Sometimes those ideas that you thought were great yesterday, they don't really hold up. They, they, they don't really hold up over time. Then there are other times when you wake up the next morning and you're like, no, I still think this is a great idea. So I think the 24 hour waiting period is something before you start sharing it, uh, let it mar- let marinate on the idea and see if it ha- has some uh, holding power. You know, one, one thing I do try to try to do now to let things marinate has been before I tell people the actual idea, just ask them questions related to the idea. Questions like, Hey, yesterday I saw this happen. I thought it was a big deal. What do you think about that? And people think it's just you know witty banter. But I'm like, no, no. I, I I'm curious to hear. Does anyone else see this problem like I see it? Does anyone do anyone even care about this problem the way I see it? Or I'll say something like, hey, you know, um, wouldn't it be cool if they had this instead? What do you think about that? That's, that's crazy. You know. And so it's not my solution. It's just it's just a preliminary opportunity for me to start digging deeper into the idea just by asking questions. And then if I start to feel there's a groundswell like amongst my buddies or friends or people around it, I'll start to get, let me see if this even exists. And I think just the preliminary research and question and fact finding, it actually gives me more chance to say, you know what, that's a bad idea. There's a reason it's not working. And I, and I, and I can disqualify it long before I've started to become this, you know, obsessed about how great it is or one of the affirmation from others for the, for the idea itself. So I'm assuming you can ask, obviously, trusted sources, people you know. You can go online and, and ask questions, right? Yeah, I sure could. You can ask your Alexa. That's, that's very true. For <laughs> your Google Home Assistant, what it thinks about the idea. I think there needs to, to Kevin's point, there needs to be kind of a concentric circle of that. I would ask a trusted group close. And, and, and I think actually typically this needs to be a little bit more of a positive group that you ask. Because if not, you could have somebody that kills the idea early on. But as the concentric circles grow, you definitely need those skeptics in there. I just think the skeptics need to come a little later than in the early part. Yeah, and, and, I, and I think that's why I try to focus more on asking just a general question. Because I think when it's about the idea, then things about you get wrapped in. We, we, watch, you know, we say this all the time. You want people to believe in your idea, but they're asking if they can believe in you. And I can strip that away. I'm just like, hey, I saw this crazy thing happen yesterday. What do you think about that? And, it, and it's not about me at all. It's just, here's my opinion on such and such a idea or fact or circumstance in the marketplace and it's and, and just get more you know just general feedback anecdotal of course but it starts a process and me i just give me more inputs to mull over with the idea in the marination period all right so here's what i'm taking out of this conversation that i get an idea i may need to recognize that's just the starting point yeah for and, sure and not the finished product so i'm going to call that idea version 1.0 and i may need to sit on a little bit marinate on it Ask questions about it, get feedback, refine it, and it goes to version 2.0, 3.0, and, and maybe by the time I get to the fifth version, I got a, I mean, I got a winner. That's right. And, and I would also add this. This was so helpful. I wish somebody had shared this with me when I was in my 20s, but the Kevin and I were talking about this earlier, the, the journey of an idea. So typically, not every time, but I would say more often than not, this is how an idea goes. There's the birth of the idea, which is what we're talking about. Where do ideas come from? Then there's the death of the idea. The idea dies. Then there's the resurrection of the idea. And then there's the ascension of the idea. And when I hear launchers' stories and they tell me their stories, 
That's what, in essence, they're telling me. Hey, I had this idea, then I hit this hurdle, and I thought the thing died. But then something happened over here, and it actually got took me in a whole different area. That was the resurrection. And then now I have got this sustained in business. That's ascension. Uh, I think Truett's story. You know, all of these. There's and again, there may be exceptions to the rule, but generally speaking, that journey of an idea is where you are. And once again, we didn't say the death of your career. We didn't say the death of the business opportunity. We said the death of the idea. And I think that is just true. I mean, Instagram was not doing what it's doing today when it first started. You know, like, I mean, that, that's just the reality. Like, well, yeah, Joe Gibbia with Airbnb, he thought he was going to end up, his, uh, his initial idea was to go sell, sell air mattresses to condos. And it died. But he said, no, I still think there's an idea here. And that's when it flipped to the resurrection of the idea. And now it's the largest hotel chain in the world. Okay, Kevin here again with you. And one of the things that upon re-listening to that episode, episode 123, and now that clip you just heard, was this idea of margin coming back again, right? That um, that all of our capacity can't be utilized, right? So this is this is kind of the the irony and the and the tension we have um, when it comes to creating capacity for new opportunities. We still need to conserve and and reserve some margin for creativity. That if we if we're already at wit's end and we have no time, it's going to be very hard for us to have the opportunity to actually think and explore and and learn things that might uh in, in taking the inputs that might elevate our thinking uh, as we move forward and i think that's a big deal the other thing i thought about it uh, that i love that david challenged me to and i don't think i've i've kind of moved away from this recently but i'm trying to go back to it uh, i used to be a big evernote guy and um you know the app had a couple glitches and then also started to just modify my own productivity systems but I have to get back in the habit of having a system about how with, with how I document ideas. I want to have a consistent way I do it. So I used to be a big Evernote guy and I moved away from it. But hearing David bring that up really just reminded me that there's power in having a system in how you document ideas. But there's an opportunity when done well to make the the process of creativity more efficient, not because idea development and and the brainstorming and inspiration is necessarily efficient, but when it happens, how fast it gets from your mind into something that's tangible can become efficient. Uh, I've since started using voice memos on my phone to capture ideas. Um, however, I don't always consistently put them into Dropbox or Evernote, so I need to be consistent about how I how I can tr- save those things so they don't get lost. Um, but the key thing I would say is making the portions of creativity efficient that can be, while allowing the part while creating the margin for the parts that aren't efficient to be what they are. Um, and obviously, we know what Jeff talked about for us: exercising or working out, using the time where your mind exp- explores outside of your work to actually uh, inform. And maybe provide inspiration for things you're doing at work. And so those things really stood out to me uh, on a personal level. And I'm sure there's some things that stood out to you. And I'd love to hear what they are. We'd all love to hear what they are. So feel free to, uh, first of all, jump on Instagram or uh, send us an email. Go to the website and actually leave comments. Or And, and you know we'd love to hear from you directly about the things that stood out to you in this episode and other episodes as well. 
I again, I'm grateful you joined us uh, here on the podcast. We have a few ways we love to connect with you. We create show notes for all the episodes so that you can easily reference things you learned because we can help growing on the go be a bit easier by making sure if you're driving or working out right now, you don't have to try to write down what you learned. You can go to our website um, and actually access the show notes if you go to launchuniversity.com forward slash podcast. And we have uh, show notes that which are essentially our summaries of each and every episode we've ever released. All right. And so that's the first thing for you. The next thing is we'd like you to share this with a friend and help someone else, a colleague, a teammate, a buddy of yours grow on the go as well. Lastly, we'd like you to leave a rating and review for the podcast on Apple Music. That will be incredibly helpful to us as we try to spread the word for the podcast. I'm sorry, spread the word of the podcast to others. Now, um, before I hit the door and, and, and leave you to enjoy the rest of your day or week, something special is going to happen next week. We are going to be starting the process of sharing with you some amazing things that are going on with Jeff Henderson. Uh, Jeff obviously is one of the co-founders and mentors here on the team. And he has an amazing book coming out called Know What You're For. Know What You're For. And anyone who's been following Jeff for a while, which I know many of you have been, this is this book really captures the essence of something that that Jeff has Jeff Jeff and his team uh, at Gwinnett Church discovered, explored, but more importantly, have have demonstrated its power as both a marketing tool, but also as, to to galvanize a team and a community around ideas uh, and more importantly around a mission. And so, I just want to make sure you know something. For the next few weeks, we have something really powerful planned by letting Jeff unpack some of these ideas over multiple episodes. And it's going to culminate with you actually getting access and hearing and a sample of Jeff's audiobook. So you don't want to miss it. And we are going to be doing a big thing to support him uh, next week where we actually challenge everybody listening to actually pre-order a copy of the book on the same day. So next Friday, September 20th, you heard that next Friday, September 20th, the day after the interview with Jeff is released, we are asking you, the Launch University community, the people who have been served by this wonderful gentleman, Jeff Henderson, for at least three years now with this podcast, at least, we are challenging and asking you to rally and support him uh, by pre-ordering a copy of his book, Know What You're For, on September 20th, all right? So we're going to hold off, and on Friday, we're always going to jump in there and support him together, buy a few copies for friends. Um, that will go a long way to make sure the book starts to spread, because it's a powerful, powerful book. Um, and yeah, anybody knows Jeff knows he's a fantastic communicator, so the content is going to be strong. It's, it's much more about our ability as a community to rally around him as well. And so, yeah, so check that out. You won't want to miss the next three weeks of the podcast. Uh, and thank you again for being a part of the Launch University community. We are honored to be a, a, a input in your life that's hopefully encouraging you to create more capacity, foster creativity, and make a difference. All right, friends, look forward to having you join us next time on the Launch University podcast. Thanks for listening to the Launch University podcast. 
We hope it's helped you move from go-getter to difference maker. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. For more helpful resources, visit launchuniversity.com.